You're listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs who have sold their companies and the advisors that help them. We elicit expert advice from exit planners, attorneys, merger and acquisition experts, accountants, business appraisers, and financial advisors, all with a goal of educating you about the sales process. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started a sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. And now, here's your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It's your host, Noah Rosenfarb, the author of Exit, Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise, and founder of Freedom Business Advisors. Today with our guest, Chris Snyder, who is the president and CEO of the Exit Planning Institute. Chris also has a private practice called Aspire Management, so he practices what he preaches. And he came on the show today because EPI is hosting a conference, their annual conference in Fort Worth, Texas, September 30th through October 2nd. And this is 2014, and we'd like to make sure all of you are aware of that and tell you a little bit about it. So, Chris, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. Thank you, Noah. Glad to be here. Yeah. So you and I had a chance to chat a little bit before we got on the air here, and you were telling me about this upcoming conference. And, and one of the things that I thought was interesting is this concept of you know the Blue Ocean Strategy and, and one of the keynote speakers you have. Maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about how exit planning is a blue ocean and what does that mean for all of us listening, whether we're owners or advisors to owners. Right. And that, that term comes from a, a book been out probably a good 10 years now called Blue Ocean Strategy. I'd highly recommend it if the listeners haven't read that book. It really is, a, I think, one of the top strategy books that I've ever read. One of our initial uh, keynote is uh, Chuck Hollander, who's one of only 12 Blue Ocean instructors uh, around the country. And one of the reasons we asked Chuck to, to be the keynote is a blue ocean is basically a new market, a market that has not been created yet versus, say, a red ocean, which is an existing market with existing competitors. They have specific factors and they know how to compete. In a blue ocean, when you're operating in a blue ocean, you're creating the competitive factors as you go along. And I feel like the exit strategy market is one of those markets. And how come, you know, people say to me, no, well, you know, people have been figuring out business succession for years and years. So wh- wh- how is this a blue ocean? Why are we calling it something different? What is it that's new? Well, for one, the market is extremely emerging right now. You have uh, two-thirds of privately held businesses owned by baby boomers, the youngest of which is 50 now, the oldest is 68. In a survey that EPI uh, underwrote last year for business owners, 76% of those owners that were surveyed indicated they wanted to transition their businesses in the next 10 years, 48% in the next five years. Now, there's roughly 6 million businesses with payroll so that equates to about four and a half million businesses transitioning in the next 10 years. So the just the, the sheer, sheer size of the market and the number of businesses that are going to come to market and the, the fragmentation about how to approach a successful transition, that's what leads us to call it a blue ocean. What else is going to be going on at the conference? Uh, you mentioned you have a great closing keynote speaker as well. 
Yeah, I'm really excited about that. We have Admiral Ray Smith, who was commander of the Navy SEALs for, I'm I'm sure how many years, but uh, maybe 10, 20 years. And he's going to close out the conference with talking to us about teamwork and collaboration. So at EPI, there's a couple of, you know, core principles that we teach. One is for a exit plan to be successful, you have to make sure that both all three, your personal goals, your business goals, and your financial goals are all aligned. That was one of the things that that was really striking for me when I first got involved with EPI, and it's a core principle for EPI. The other one is working as a team. You have to have a, a successful team in order to exit successfully. And what we find is that a lot of the advisors are not working as a team. They're approaching the owners individually with their own plans, their own way of doing things. It's one of the biggest complaints that I get from owners is that advisors are not working as a team. So it's something we teach in our SEPA program. It's something, obviously, we wanted to have uh, somebody like uh, Admiral Smith talk to us about. So take me back in time and describe to me, how did you get interested and ultimately become the CEO of EPI? Take me back to your days as an executive. Yeah, I started out as a, uh, you know, eventually became a corporate executive, started out in the corporate world, worked in, uh, you know, various uh, corporate executive positions for probably almost 20 years. And I had a chance to join at one point a, a middle market company uh, that at the time was doing about $90 million. That was small for me at the time. And I had a chance to join that company. It was a privately held family business, second generation and having a chance to work in that business really taught me what it was like to work in a family-oriented business. That business we took from $90 million to $260 million in three years and sold to a multinational. But going through that three-year process with Andy Rayburn, who was the owner, really showed me how to do it right because we obviously grew the business pretty successfully and we sold it at an extremely high multiple. From there, I was back in the big corporate world and I couldn't handle it. So once I was back in the corporate world, once I had a taste for the middle market family business, I couldn't get enough of that. So I ended up leaving, running a couple of small companies, and then eventually launched my own practice, Aspire Management, which was really geared around uh, driving value into businesses and growing businesses. And that naturally led to buy-side engagements and ultimately to selling businesses to extract and harvest that value. What I found is as we were going through that process representing owners, that when we were getting towards the end of the deals, and a lot of advisors have seen this before, the owners started acting irrational towards the end of the deal. And I couldn't figure out what was going on because financially we were delivering wonderful value. But I realized that it was there's the psychological and emotional side of how important that was to actually getting the deal done. When I ran into EPI and the three principles, personal, financial, and business goals being aligned, it's sort of like uh, the light bulb went off. And I said, okay, there's a whole side of this that I'm missing. I can't just focus on the business. I need to focus on the personal side and the owner's personal and financial security post-sale. And so that's when I went out and got certified through EPI in uh, 2008. So I was a member of EPI for, for four years before I actually acquired it and became president in 2012. That's great. If you could walk me through a story of how you've implemented either the EPI process or however you may have amended it for your own use or for a particular situation, but describe a success story that you had at Aspire working with a client and what was the before and after look like? 
Yeah, I can tell you, again, from a practitioner standpoint, that post-SEPA, going through the certification course, transformed my business. What happened is I, you know, I used to lead with uh, basically growth consulting or sell-side work. When we came back, we re-engineered the firm to really lead with value and growth and put in a, you know, a process that EPI teaches today, which I call the triggering event that allowed us to get owners moving on these processes and paying us, you know, anywhere from 5000 to 10000 a month to not just help them with a the transition, but to grow their business, to add value to their business. And a lot of it is really just educating owners on how value is derived in the marketplace. Owners are smart people. They'll figure it out. It's just that they're not educated about the way the market values businesses. So we implemented, probably took us a year or so to get the EPI processes integrated into our practice. And now what happens is we lead with our exit strategy work. We lead with an assessment and evaluation of the business which typically leads to opportunities to drive uh, growth and value into the business. And uh, once the owner sees what the potential is, they're usually ready to move forward and engage in the process. Peter was a guest on the show, Peter Christman, a long time ago, one of our original guests. And so what led to you and he interacting and coming to a conclusion that you'd be EPI's best owner? Yeah, I can't say enough about Peter Christman. Peter Christman is one of those guys that was way ahead of his time. In fact, I talked to him this morning, and he was talking about this stuff back in the early 90s. You know, it's like 20, 25 years ago. That's how visionary he was. Pete took me under his wing, and he has really taught me a lot. My partner and I, when we were getting ready to launch our practice, I encourage our members to do this as well, is, you know, we would call up Pete. We would travel to Chicago at least once a month to just sit down and meet with Pete and ask him for help, ask him for suggestions. And, you know, literally, Noah, I would come back and implement what he suggested I do, and it works. You know what I mean? The idea of the chapters, you know, we created a chapter in Northeast Ohio. The idea of the chapters was his idea. The idea of the awareness events was his idea. He's just a brilliant guy, and I'm lucky to have him around that I was able to uh, tap into his knowledge and then come back and, and basically just do what he was suggesting we do. And so you took over EPI how long ago? Uh, it was the uh, the end of 2012. So really, you know, 2013, last year was our first full year with you know, with me at the helm of EPI. And some of the things that, and because I was a practitioner, there were a number of things that we immediately wanted to do. My son, Scott, and I, you know, Scott's involved in the business. So we, we are, by the way, we, we do, you know, we do really practice what we preach because we're in a family business ourselves. EPI is a family business. And there's a couple of things that we wanted to implement right away. One was this conference. So one of the things that I saw is that as a member, you would go through SEPA, and then you really wouldn't see anybody again because EPI hadn't created any events where the members could get together. And I just think if you're going to have a community, and it's important to have a community when you're creating a market, you need at least once a year where you can get the members together. And so one of the first things we wanted to do was create a conference where all of the members could convene, advisors who are not members could come in and kind of get a glimpse of what we're doing at EPI. It's a very educational-oriented event because I think what happens is we're really lacking in education. And so we held really the first conference in Cleveland last year, which is where we had our first chapter and our second chapter is in North Texas, and that's why we're having it in Fort Worth this year. 
The other thing we did is we, we wanted to create a chapter network. So the idea is that the strategic framework that we put together for EPI and that the SEPA is based on is a great framework, but in order for things for it to really take root, it has to be implemented at the community level in the local communities. So it's a great idea, but how you apply it in Cleveland, Ohio versus Dallas versus San Francisco versus Chicago might be a little bit different because each of those communities is unique. They have unique owners, unique cultures. So the idea is take that framework, bring it into the local community, and try to build this awareness up from a grassroots level. So now we have, I think, uh, seven or eight chapters across the country, New York, Chicago, Dallas, Cleveland, San Francisco, and a couple of weeks we're getting ready to launch in Orange County and Las Vegas, and we also have a chapter in Sydney, Australia. That's great. Congratulations on the growth. Where do you see the future going for the industry as a whole? There are some other institutions that are accrediting yeah. you know, professionals to help clients with the transition of their business. Where do you see the industry evolving towards? Again, what I think we're going to see is that today, you know, as many of the, the uh, listeners might know, multiples are at their highest level at, in some cases in history. You know, there's about a trillion dollars on the sidelines with what you hear, and, and investors are looking for places and looking for businesses to buy. That's not going to last. Just think about all markets move in cycles. So what's going to happen is, we, like I say, we project that there are going to be a ton of businesses that will be coming to market upwards of four and a half million in the next 10 years, as those businesses start to come to market, you're going to see an oversupply. And what's going to happen is the multiples and the values will start coming down just simply supply and demand. And only those businesses that are the most prepared, that are the cream of the crop, so to speak, are the ones that are going to be able to successfully transition or be acquired and the others will fall by the wayside. So right now, it's actually a pretty good time for an owner to be exiting if they're ready to exit. And in the next five years, if you're not ready to exit the next five to 10 years, you need to be thinking about how you're going to drive value into the business so that it's going to be one of those businesses that will successfully transition in the next five to 10 years. So we're going to see a, a term that's used as a tsunami of businesses coming to market in the next five to 10 years. You and I kind of talked again before the call about what the numbers could look like if, if we're unsuccessful at educating the marketplace on the value of exit planning, and then perhaps what the numbers could look like if we are successful. Why don't you walk yeah. our listeners through kind of the, those demographics? And, you know, you mentioned four and a half million businesses that are likely yeah. to transition in the next decade. How many are going to raise their hand to ask for help? Yeah, that's a great question because this is where the paradigm, this is where the shift needs to occur. And this is really what EPI is, is really on a mission to change. So today you have, let's say the market's four and a half million, but statistically only one out of 10 owners actually does anything proactive prior to their transition. So that means that only 450,000 out of those four and a half million do anything proactive. And so there's a whole lot of businesses where owners are not being proactive and there's a lot of those businesses that, you know, will not successfully transition. The statistics today are, uh, you know, some of the things that we talk about when we go around the country. 75% of owners who sell their businesses profoundly regret selling it a year after they sell it. You have a success rate, transition success rate of only about 20 to 30% of the businesses that go to market actually sell. And Family Firm Institute has a study, only 30% of family businesses survive through the second generation. When you get to the third generation, you're down around somewhere around 10, 12%. 
So the success rate of the probability of you being able to transition your business is at best about 20 to 30%. That's terrible when you think about it. So what's happening to those other 70 to 80% of those businesses? They're getting dissolved and that wealth is being lost. And what we're saying is it's not just an economic problem. It's a social problem because you have employees that are dependent on that business ongoing. You have vendors that are dependent on that business and you have communities. You know, from an economic development standpoint, you have communities that are dependent on those businesses being sustainable and successful on an ongoing basis. So what we need to do is change that statistic. And that's where the advisor comes in. And that's where we're on a mission to build an organization and an advisor that can really change the outcome for owners and their families. And it's not, what I tell people is, it's not an overwhelming objective. What we all we have to do is go from one out of 10 to two out of 10. So if we just go to get two out of 10 owners doing something proactively, we've doubled our market. And when you just stop and think about, you know, if you're an attorney or financial planner or a CPA, imagine double the business. If you just get one more out of 10 owners, you've doubled your business. That would be huge to do just alone. But even if we did that, we're only at two. But it's going to be a lot easier to get to four if we get to two. And it'll be a lot easier to get to seven if we get to four. So the objective is let's just get to two first. Don't try to change the world overnight. Let's just get to two. And what we challenge our advisors to do is go back to your list. If you talk to 10 owners, you got rejected nine times. Go to those nine that rejected you. There's got to be one out of those nine that you can get converted if you educated them better. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we have, I guess, a reference point that we use often with owners is that, you know, this type of stuff is really important. It just has no deadline. And so when we're looking at things that are important but not urgent, it's always hard to motivate an owner to make progress because they're fighting fires in that important and urgent box. What are some of the things that you train members to do to enhance the sense of urgency with owners around this planning? That's a really great question, and it's, it's something I'm often asked. You know, well, it seems like it's an obvious thing. Why aren't owners, more owners doing this if it's so obvious? Well, one is they're just not educated about it. Two is, like you said, it's, it's not urgent. It's important, but it's not urgent. And as an owner, you know, you've got a lot of urgent things to deal with every day. And so this is something you just don't get to. So that's how you change it. You've got to make this exit strategy work part of the way you run your business. So what we teach is we basically teach a management system. So stop thinking of exit planning as something I'm going to do because there's going to be an event five years from now or 10 years from now or a year from now. And instead, run your business so it would always prepare to transition. So when you think about the things that you would do to implement a business that is operating on best practices, let's say, or let's say you were looking at developing your business strategy. What are the kinds of things that you would address in a business strategy, right? You're going to want uh, solid marketing, right? You're going to want a strong management team. You don't want to have to be the, own, the business to be dependent on you as an owner. You're going to want a diversified customer base. The same thing that you would do to develop a best practice business are the same things you need to do to develop a business that's transitionable. So what we try to teach is don't treat it as something separate. Integrate it into the way that you operate your business every day, and then it's not an issue. All owners should be doing things to diversify their risk and mitigate their risk. It's not an exit issue. That's a business issue. All owners should be doing things to grow their business and add value. It's not an exit thing. That's just a business thing. So if you look at it as this is the way I should be running my business, then the whole thing about 
doing some event down the road just goes away. So one of the challenges I have with the, our field in general, and you know, my book's called Exit, Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise, but I think exit's a terrible word for the type yeah. of planning we do. And yeah. I think until we get the nomenclature agreed upon in the field and welcomed by the owners, it's going to be yeah. a challenge to go from one to two and two to four and four to seven. Yeah. But yet there is no word that they want because at least in my experience, if I ask 100 owners, when do you plan to exit your business? 48% of them might say within five years and 70% yeah. of them might say within 10, but none of them are ready to exit now. <laughs> you know? Right, I it's know. one in a hundred that are ready to exit now. There are things they might be willing to do now because they know it's coming, but usually it's come back to me in, in two years. Where do you think that conversation is going to go? And, and you kind of have a brand in EPI that's been around a long time. And I think yeah. the community at large of advisors has latched on to the word exit. But yeah. where do you see that going? And what do you see the resistance being from owners? A couple of things. First of all, we get to the question about the word exit comes up a lot. Like, oh, you know, we don't like that word. Don't use that word with owners. And what I, I challenge people that say that. Uh, I know in my own practice, the word exit never stopped me from getting an engagement with an owner. That's never stopped me. What happens is if I get an owner that's pushing back and saying, you know, I don't like you know exit, I don't want to talk about that. What you have to do is get past the word. It's not the word that makes owners uncomfortable. It's what's in their head and what's in their heart. It's what the word is invoking. And so what I'll tell owners is, look, if I change the word to something else, does it make you feel better? It usually doesn't make them feel any better at all. They still have that feeling in their head and their heart. So the word invokes a feeling, an emotion that they need to, that they don't want to deal with. So it's not the word, it's actually the emotion. So when you get pushback from an owner on the word, call them out. Call the owner out on it and make them face the fact that they have to deal with this emotion that they're feeling and you'll just get right past the word. So that's how we deal with the, with the word itself. All owners are going to have some exit at some point in time. And half of those will be voluntary and half of those will be involuntary. It is a part of business. We actually find with the younger owners, they almost embrace it because what we have found is that with the younger owners, they're looking at an exit because they're looking to harvest what they built and then do it again. And so actually our San Francisco uh, chapter did a panel with some young owners. It was really interesting to see their perspective on exit strategy was very different from an owner that's, say, 55 or 60 that's looking at an exit in the next five to 10 years. So that's how we address that. Now, as far as the, the process, the key is in the first stage, what we teach in our methodology and I do in my own practice is every engagement starts with evaluation of the business and an assessment, both personal, financial, and business. It doesn't matter where, you know, whether we're growing, we're selling, we're buying, we always start at that point because owners need to focus on building value. That's what this is about. So if you went to an owner and said, look, I, I want to help you grow and increase the value of your business, I mean, that's the way you should lead with them. That, who doesn't want to do that? So you start by assessing the value, and normally when you're doing evaluation, at least a strategic valuation, you're going to come up with a range of value. Because as you know, some businesses sell at three times EBITDA, some businesses Sell at eight times EBITDA. So if I'm in a market, some are selling at three and some are selling at eight, well, how do I sell at eight? What the assessment does is you need to correlate the results of the assessment with the valuation. And you can point out to an owner, I'm valuing you at a four times, which is below the average because you scored below average on your assessment. And uh, then you can point out specifically why you scored them below average. 
those are the things I mentioned before. There's too much risk in the business. The business is too dependent on you. You don't have a good marketing plan. You have a customer concentration issue. And what you'll begin to see is you'll see the owner's mind going because they're starting to get it and they're beginning to understand the correlation between the way they run their business and the value of the business. And that usually is what I call the triggering event. Because once an owner understands that, they're much more likely to move forward and pay an advisor to help them come in and, and harvest and build that value. And the nice thing about doing it with evaluation is you're able to give them a quantitative number. You can say your business is worth $4 million. Let's say you're doing a million in EBITDA. With a value at four, it's worth $4 million. But the best-in-class businesses are doing eight. If we implement these things, we can drive you from $4 million in value to $8 million in value. And here's how we're going to do it. And then it's just a matter of putting in a plan and bringing in the right team to to harvest and, and achieve that value. Tell me uh, maybe about your experience interacting with some of the members and maybe some of the success stories that you've seen from advisors that joined EPI, got their SEPA designation, and, and maybe the before and after transition in their practice. Yeah, I'm sure they have. You know, we have a number of advisors who've got the same experiences that I have that have transformed those practices. The most successful advisors are the ones that have come through and have, have transformed the practice to lead with the assessment and evaluation. The other thing that a number of our successful members have done is there you have to, there are a number of tools that are available today that weren't available before. Companies like Core Value, Corporate Value Metrics, and Mouse all provide software products that allow you to do these assessments efficiently on the front end. Uh, those they're all strategic partners of EPI and owners and advisors, you know, members of EPI can buy those products at a discount. But those members are the ones that have been the most successful when they've led with growth and value and not led with, you know, I'm going to come in and I'm going to write an exit plan for you. You know, those advisors don't do well. Probably one of our most successful advisors is Craig West out of uh, Australia. He has took the program in 2010. He has written a book called The 21 Steps. He has four offices now in Australia. He's done a, just a marvelous job at uh, you know becoming a leader in, his, in, the, in the industry. Yeah. And what would you attribute that success to? I, his focus on value and growth. You know, if you, if you read Craig's book, you know, what he talks about is protecting value, maximizing value, and harvesting value. Really, it's all about value. Again, most owners are focused on income generation. So I've got a nice business and it's generating a million dollars a year and I'm living pretty well on that. They're not translating that to value. But just because you have a business that produces a lot of income doesn't necessarily have, have a business that's transferable or has any value beyond that million dollars of income. Yeah. So what we try to do is get the owners focused on value because when you're focused on value, you're going to drive income. But when you focus on income, you're not necessarily driving value. So that's the whole key. And that's where, you know, going back to your other comment about the word, you know, somehow we have to change the paradigm that when they hear the word exit, it doesn't mean end. It means value is what it means. It means it's a business strategy that focuses on building value. Yeah. So we've got this upcoming conference. What else do you want to share with our listeners about reasons to attend or reasons to come take a look at EPI and the SEPA designation? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, we also have uh, Bill Black. Some of the listeners might be familiar with Bill Black, who, who has a show called Exit Coach Radio now. He's actually going to be covering the conference. He has an incredible following, mostly business owners. 
and uh, we've asked him to come and, and cover the conference for us. So that'll be a lot of fun. I mean, he'll be doing a lot of interviewing of uh, attendees and uh, running his radio show from Fort Worth during the conference. The conference was really engineered by the members. So what happens is the SEPA program is a five-day program held twice a year in Chicago, at the University of Chicago Glacier Center, Blue School of Business. And the next program is uh, November 10th in Chicago. And what happens is we cover 22 subjects and we have 13 different speakers from around the country that come in to teach. All the speakers are practitioners. So you're getting real life stories and you have a very group of, of advisors, attorneys, CPAs, financial planners, banks. But probably the most uh, positive thing we hear from, from the attendees, the students about the, about the uh, SEPA program is the interaction they get during the course of the week. We do a lot of case studies and things like that. But when you're covering 22 subjects over a four-day period, you can't go very deep on any of them. So it's very broad in terms of it covers a lot of material, but it can't go very deep. So one of the things we're trying to address at the conference is the, the opportunity to go deep. So we have one day where we do what we call deep dive guru sessions. These are three-hour workshops where we bring people in and we drill deeper into a particular subject been identified by our members as something that they're interested in going deeper and learning more about. So, for example, Craig West, uh, who I mentioned before, will be coming in and doing a whole session on uh, selling and marketing exit strategy work, for example. So, there'll be deep dive sessions. There's also, in addition to the keynotes, we have breakouts, and these are more like one-hour sessions typically put on by members where they're doing case studies sharing case studies and, you know, covering different subjects, again, that have been identified by the members as something that's needed. So it's a variety of different things that we've got. And then I think my son, Scott, has a uh, a fun night planned at uh, Billy Bob's, you know, the honky-tonk Billy Bob's evening where we're going to go over there. And I don't know, I think maybe some people will take on, take a chance to do some bull riding or something like that. So we can mm. enjoy the uh, the culture down there in Texas and have a little fun as well. Great. Well, if our listeners uh, want to register for the conference or learn more about EPI, where should they go? They should go to our website, www.exit-planning-institute.org would be the best place to go. Go to the events tab, and uh, once you roll over the events tab, you'll see our conference will pop up and get all the information you need there. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and share your feedback. And thanks so much for joining us, and we hope to have you back again soon. Chris, appreciate it. Thank you, Noah. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started the sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. If you have any questions about today's podcast, you can contact your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition at 855-540-0400. Please be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us your feedback. Until next time, this is the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast.